Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Catalyst moments in your life. How to make catalyst moments count and how to make them stick. Because God is bringing catalyst moments to you and to me. He is. They're going to happen in our life. There's going to be catalyst moments that God brings to us. There are going to be um, catalyst moments that life just throws at us, isn't there? You know, if you're in the middle of a drought, it might bring you to a catalyst moment. There are going to be catalyst moments that we didn't see coming. Have you ever had one of those? There are going to be catalyst moments that um, really you and I, we initiate or instigate. We go, you know, I've had enough. I'm done with this. And uh, someone was telling me um, the other day that, you know, Physically, I'm looking my age, middle-aged, and, and I wasn't that impressed about what they said, and, but I was thankful for it because they told me the truth, and so that's it. On Monday, I started keto, and I'm back on track. We're at Sunday. Keto's going well. Sometimes you just have to instigate or initiate the catalyst moment yourself for something to happen. And so a catalyst moment is something where we, we, we come to a point where where on the other side of that point, on the other side of that moment, something shifts, something, something changes. Um, the outcome of what comes next is going to be different from what came before. Or, or certainly, even if it's not different, there's going to be an effect or an impact flowing out of that moment into the decision we make and the direction we take and all that kind of thing. And so I, I want us to think about it. I, I was thinking about it in preparation this week. My my first catalyst moment I can remember in my life was um, I went to church as a kid, stopped going at 10. My mum walked away. I came back at 21 and I was in Liverpool in Sydney. And um, anyone from Liverpool in Sydney? Yeah, right? The best of the best, Stephen. And uh, I was in Liverpool in Sydney. It was New Year's Eve. I'm 21 years old. Since I was 16, New Year's Eve for me was a, well, let's say New Year's Eve and New Year's Day blurred together very interestingly, and one started early and the other one finished very late. And so for me, the train to Sydney and the ensuing chaos of um, New Year's Eve was just my tradition. It was what I did every year. And so it's New Year's Eve. I'm 21 years old. I've made a decision to serve Jesus in October that year, and I'm on the train. And it's New Year's Eve, and I'm either going to a prayer meeting or I'm going to a party. And I'm really, honestly, I've wrestled with it all the way to Liverpool Station from where I lived in Campbelltown. And I got off at Liverpool Station still unconvinced of what I would do. Walked to the kebab shop like any good 21-year-old from Sydney's southwest. Bought myself a kebab, contemplated my decision and went to the prayer meeting. That became a catalyst moment for the rest of my life. You know, I reckon the other would have created some kind of weakening moment as well. And, and you will come to Catalyst Moments. So for me, um, uh, Catalyst Moment was playing footy. And when I was 21 years old and became a Christian, and, and um, um, I'd been offered, anyway, some varying scenarios around footy at that point, and what they called the Super League War broke out, which meant anyone who could half play got to play first grade. A bunch of my mates who couldn't make the teams we were in were playing first grade for, because there was just way too many clubs. And I felt like God spoke to me and said, Darren, I want you to give that up. You've got to know, I prayed for about a year, like, have I got this wrong? 
I was 21 years old. Every time I had a dream that involved a football, which was pretty well my life. You ever been shopping and there's that kid and he's carrying a footy around, kicking it? That, that was me. And so, and for about a year, and every time I had like half a dream, I'd wake up and go, that must be a sign. I'm meant to play. But I knew in my heart, not for anybody else, there's lots of great guys playing football and making a difference with their lives. But for me, it was a catalyst moment and it set the course of my life. Tithing, giving, in those early days, set the course of my life. Uh, here on the church block, a whole bunch of years ago, when there was 15 of us, you know the story, many of you. And I prayed that prayer that really set the course of our church. If this is what you want me to do, God, I will do that. It was a catalyst moment. Uh, maybe the other one was sitting in the back of our old church building and, and I was feeling like the community we'd been was not quite what it used to be. And, and this thought came to me in one sentence. Darren, build a church that acts like family and feels like home. That's why we've got this Sunday community next week. And um, it was a catalyst moment that really set the course of everything that followed and the church we would re-morph into and as imperfectly as we're doing it and but trying to get it right. And you, God is going to bring your life and life is just going to come to catalyst moments, how to, how to work through them, how to stick, how to make them count and how to make them stick. So Genesis chapter 39, we're going to go to Joseph. He was the king of catalyst moments, I think. And I'll bring you a few, few thoughts from this that I think are going to help you as we go. Um, Genesis chapter 39 from verse 1. I'll read it from my Bible. It, it may well come up on the screen. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Um, Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. That's good stuff, eh? When his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, um, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Now Potiphar was a rich guy. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From that time on, he put him in charge of his household and everything he owned, I think I just read the same line twice. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was on everything um, that Potiphar... Um, is it there? Oh, good. And the blessing was on everything. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. And with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Think like an empowered teenager. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one is greater in his house than I am. Uh, my master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. And then the story breaks out and a charge is brought against Joseph for a crime he didn't commit. But this here becomes a catalyst moment in Joseph's life. That in Genesis 45, what we see happen is a different scenario, but all the same tensions. In Genesis 45, where he is what he calls himself father to Pharaoh. In Genesis 45, when he is the leader of the nation, maybe not in title, but in influence. He has a similar situation where he needs to hold on to 
what's right and do what's right and all that kind of thing. But he's got a tension of what he would naturally do and yet he honours God with it. He takes catalyst moments, he makes them count and he makes them stick. So here's a first thought in how he did it, how we do it, I think. Number one, create preemptive patterns. Verse six says, so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care and with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Joseph, by the time he gets to the catalyst moment with Potiphar's wife, by the time he gets to that, Joseph has created a, a pattern, or a, a, there's this who he is and a pattern of how he acts in his life that really when he comes to a catalyst moment, he can make a good decision because he's been making decisions that aren't about him. He's been making decisions that are, are about what's right before God right along the way. So when he comes to Potiphar's wife, and it doesn't say he was repulsed by her, he said he had to resist her. So we're assuming that at a human level, at least, he was tempted by the situation. But because of the pattern of his life, because of the person that he was, Joseph already had this pattern going on where he chooses um, what is right. It comes to a catalyst moment and what has been established turns up again. And isn't it true? When you think about catalyst moments in your life, isn't the pattern of who I am and the pattern of the way I behave, isn't it true that um, those things show up in those catalyst moments? Uh, if you take Rise and Build, uh, I would imagine nearly everybody in this room, there'll be the odd person who made a significant statement and to shift with what they did last week. But most people in the room made a decision that is completely consistent with the pattern of their history. Most people, when you think about the decision you made about Rise and Build, let me ask you this question. Is it the exception to what you would normally do or is it completely consistent with how you would normally behave and what you would normally think around that kind of, around generosity, around giving? I would suggest that most people in the room, what we did last week in a catalyst moment was consistent with the pattern of our past. And so if we're going to make catalyst moments count and make sure they stick, creating patterns in the now, in the small, become powerful in our lives. I brought the strawberry and chocolate milk here this morning. It's actually made my saliva working overload a bit. I don't know about you, but I, when I was younger, I worked for dairy farmers. And uh, my youngest brothers are twins. They're identical twins. They're 17 years younger than me. And, um, and so when I was just young, I would bring them home milk from work every day. I'd drop it off at their house on my way home, bringing like a, a crate of milk to them. The thing was, I didn't pay for the crate of milk. Dairy farmers were a big company. I was a lowly blue-collar worker. And so I determined, like hundreds of other people that worked there, that if we just snuck a few items into our jacket, our freezer jacket, and then walked them across the, um, the drive to the locker room and then just over the course of the shift build up the stock in the locker room, we could then put it in our bag, take it home and have a crate of milk. And occasionally I'd forget and my young brothers would be expectant and I got home and I'd say, well, guys, there were no chocolate cows and no strawberry cows today. I'm sorry. And they were young enough to believe that there were chocolate cows and strawberry cows. So it worked out well. Here's the thing. My pattern, that pattern, a few years later I'd gone, I became a Christian, I'd gone, a few years later they had undercover detectives come and work there. Because it wasn't that a two-litre bottle of chocolate milk was going missing, but truckloads of milk were unaccounted for. People had bought boats, people had paid off houses, 
people were driving fancy cars because the pattern had turned up in ways that nobody really predicted were coming. And I remember becoming a Christian, and who really cares about two litres of chocolate milk, right? But I remember becoming a Christian going, right, the Bible says that I shouldn't do that. So from now on, I don't. And I know that you go, Darren, that's ridiculous. Who cares? Well, I believe this. I believe what we see in Joseph's life is what we'll see in our lives. That when we come with patterns that are small and insignificant that no one sees, no one notices, and maybe don't seem to matter, that actually contained in those patterns is something far more powerful than any of us really realise, that really set the course of our life. You know, I don't know what you do for work, but if you're a, if you're a paid employee, you know, I think the person, I think Christians should be, as you well know, some of you, the best employees on the planet. Arrive early, finish late. That's my suggestion. And um, especially if you work for Northwest Church, arrive early, finish late. But arrive early, finish late. And, 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 but never be the person who takes 15 minutes off the clock. Like, that should never be us. That's not ours to take. That was theirs that they gave and stewarded, gave us and entrusted us to steward well. And so I think when we get those patterns right, when we make good decisions in the workplace, when if you're a contractor, I wonder if you're a contractor, do you round it up in your favour? Or, 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 or do you think about what is right and fair and equitable? Do we even think about maybe sometimes what is generous? Because the pattern of behaviour will show up in catalyst moments. If I'm... If I'm a child, I'd love to think of a good example that is advantageous to being a parent, but I can't right now, so I'll move right on. But there are patterns that turn up into our life in the way we work, and you know, around our spouse, like if you're, if you're married, like uh, telling a white lie to keep everything cool. Yeah, that, what happens when something uncool happens? Because I've created a pattern, and we've already established that most of us would have done last week what was consistent with who we are, few would have broken out in the best possible way. So if we create great patterns now, when we come to catalyst moments then, we actually set our lives up for something. That's what Joseph did. Joseph, what Joseph did in this moment was nothing more than the pattern of who he'd been and the way he lived. And so just um, thinking that, that's the first thought, number one. Um, um, here's the next thought. If, if God wins the heart, everything else will flow. If God wins the heart, everything else will flow. It's, it's that simple. Everything becomes easier when God wins the heart. God had won Joseph's heart, and so everything else was flow. God, God was not having a discussion every Sunday with Joseph about why it's right to go to church. Now, I'm, I'm not harassing anyone for not being in church. I'm saying church is a God idea put in Scripture for the building of our lives. Joseph wasn't that guy. He was like, well, my heart is in this direction. And um, when God wins the heart, the rest will flow because whoever wins our heart, the rest flows. When, when you fall in love and someone wins your heart, doesn't the rest flow? When Bron and I first started to go out, we would talk on the phone for very long periods of time when mobile phones were very expensive to own. And that's what you do, don't you? Because if the heart's been won, the rest will flow. Nobody can legislate catalyst moments. Nobody can, but the heart will dictate in them. 
Um, I, I like those famous words of Jesus where he says, hey, if they ask him, they say, well, what commandment's most important? He says, well, don't worry about that. There's, there's more than 600. You don't need to concern yourself. He said, but what, what you need to know is if you get this right, love God with all your heart, love your neighbour as yourself. If you just get that right, the rest will flow out of that. Because Why was that? Because it wasn't a legislated thing, but it was a heart thing. And so catalyst moments, we get them right when, when, uh, the, when the heart's in the right place and the rest begins to flow. Here's the next thought. Established integrity makes all the difference in catalyst moments. Established integrity. Joseph's integrity was exceptional. Was in this moment, it was in Genesis 45. I love what Job said. Or actually the author of Job said. We won't have a discussion about Job. Um, For as long as I draw breath and for as long as God breathes life into me, I refuse to say one word that isn't true. I refuse to confess to any charge that's false. There is no way I'll ever agree to your accusations. I'll, deny, I'll not deny my integrity, even if it costs me my life. I'm holding fast to my integrity and not loosening my grip. And believe me, I'll never regret that. Don't you love it? Uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 16, coming up on the screen, talking about Jesus. They sent the disciples to him along the um, Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you're a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Don't you love the power of integrity? But integrity is unswayed. And so when you come to a catalyst moments where Joseph is standing before a beautiful woman with incredible power of whom he is his slave and knows that this could cost him his life, certainly his future, he determines that he's going to stand by what God has asked him to do. He's going to stand and honour his master and he's going to stand regardless of the consequences. And so what we see is that Joseph does that. He, he has incredible integrity. Jesus Um, lived with integrity and he would not be swayed. Established integrity guides us in catalyst moments. Here's my working definition of integrity for you. It's knowing what's right, living what's right, owning what's right. It's knowing, it's living and owning because in catalyst moments when we own what's right here, it will turn up. Integrity chooses what is right above the things that compete. The convenient, the fast, the easy, the gratifying, the self-preserving, the self-advancing or any other thing. Integrity brings together right believing and right behaviour. That's what it really does. It it brings together right believing and it brings together right behaviour. And what we know about integrity in catalyst moments is from little things that big things grow. Um, Joseph is in Potiphar's house. What he doesn't know when he's making right decisions in Potiphar's house is that this is going to end up having him in Potiphar's house. in Pharaoh's courts, in Potiphar's house when he can just live for himself and no one's probably going to know about the affair and he's still going to stay in the favour of his master, Joseph determines that he will not do that, but he'll do what's beyond what he might even naturally have a tendency towards. He's going to go beyond that and do what's right before God and what's right in the situation. And what's interesting about that catalyst moment which shaped the course of his life is that if you move forward to Genesis 45, He's not now in Potiphar's house, but in Pharaoh's courts. He's in charge of the land. And he comes to another catalyst moment. His brothers who sold him into slavery are standing now before him. And the Bible says they trembled with fear when they realised it was Joseph before them. And they trembled with fear because in the ancient world, he could take your life in a moment of time. Joseph just had to 
say the word and there would be no questions asked and their life would come to an end. Joseph just had to say the word and the rest of their days would be spent in slavery. Joseph just had to say the word and the rest of their days would be in imprisonment. But Joseph proved something in an earlier catalyst moment in Potiphar's house that could be trusted in this catalyst moment now in Pharaoh's courts. Because in Pharaoh's courts, he did precisely what he did in Potiphar's house. Imagine, imagine, I want you to think about the person, maybe it's too big for you to even think about it, those of us who can. The person who has most hurt or wounded your spirit in this life. Now, some of you can't go there and that's okay. But I want you to think about that for a moment. That's who stood before Joseph and he had the power to unleash hell. But what God knew and the reason God could promote Joseph was that way back there in a catalyst moment in Potiphar's house, faced with Potiphar's wife and an opportunity for him and no one would ever know, Joseph did in that catalyst moment what was right and integrous and godly. And that if God could bring him to this catalyst moment, the chances are that Joseph would turn up all again. And so Joseph in that moment faced with the pain and the anguish, it says he cried so loudly they could hear him in the courts all around him. But in that moment, he looks at his brothers and instead of unleashing hell, he has mercy on them. He determines that he's going to do what's right before God and he's going to bring about their deliverance as God has asked him to. And he sets it all in motion. There was a catalyst moment here that found its catalyst trust there. And you and I in the small moments of our life, in the catalyst moments going on in our life right now, I'd suggest even rise and build that there are catalyst moments right now that have more to do with our future than we actually know. And they're powerful. And God brings us to them. Not, not to condemn, not to guilt, yes, to stretch, but He brings us to them that something might be established that has a powerful, profound and supernatural future. And what we do in those catalyst moments moves us out of a natural realm where we sort of our hands on ourselves and brings us in to a supernatural space like Joseph, where God's plans can unfold for his life and God's plans can be worked out through him for the lives of others and for the building of what God wants to do on the earth. And what unfolds is absolutely stunning. And for you and I, it's the same catalyst moments that look like they don't matter or you could get away with something or whatever, that when we do them right before God, have a God-appointed future, way beyond the moment and way beyond what we can imagine in Jesus' name. I hope you will go there. I'm praying we'll all go there together in Jesus' name. Why don't you stand with me? Why don't you just close your eyes just for a moment. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for every single person in this room today. Every person that can hear my voice right now, maybe in the foyer, God. Thank You for every person, regardless of our story, our history, our lives right to this very moment. You love every single one of us with a love we can't fully fathom. With that in mind, I pray for everybody here that You would draw people to Yourself and lead people by Your Spirit, that you would, you would help us create the patterns that prepare us for catalyst moments. And I pray for every person, Lord, in a, 
catalyst period right now, I pray that whatever the story in the past, this would be a moment of change. This would be a moment of shift. This would be a moment of establishing something, Lord. This would be something would go on that would set, Lord, just their future in motion in ways they cannot even fathom. I pray where people are scared to make that decision because there might be fallout. I pray you'd make them bold. Father, I pray for people who can't see it as you see it. Lord, I pray that you'd give them faith. Father, and I pray for all of us, Lord, a courage of conviction around the things that matter in Catalyst Moments, in Jesus' Name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. God bless. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.